0: Less than 2000. The podcast. Today we got Darren Coyle joining us. Uh, Darren is a filmmaker. Uh, We actually made a film together called Chasing Sunshine, which he is the writer and director of, and, and it's a very funny movie. That's not what we're talking about today, though, because he may work in the industry and he's a very talented individual. He produces television, but Darren also has a very unhealthy obsession with Back to the Future. So I—that's what we're going to talk about today.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. And thank you, guys. Uh, hi, Chad and Adam. Thank you for having me on the show. This is awesome. I'm excited to talk about Back to the Future. Back to the Future came out in 1985, but just to say, like, just for me personally, like, I was 11 when I saw it. You know, when it came out, and it was one of the first movies that I watched and that a I loved and have seen it a hundred times. But also it was one of, the, one of the first movies that I realized that there's actually stories behind the making of a movie. It's not just, a, it doesn't just magically happen. There's lots of people and things that go into making a movie. And so it was one of the first movies that I loved that I, that I found out, you know, the behind the scenes scoop, so to speak, on it. And, and ever since then, I've kind of, you know, just...
0: Had an unhealthy obsession with it.
1: Had an unhealthy obsession with it, I guess you could say, yeah here's what I wanted to say. Is it
2: possible to have an unhealthy obsession with this movie? This movie is great. as far as movies that you're going to be obsessed about, I mean this is it's fairly wholesome too. I mean this is it's a healthy obsession, not unhealthy.
0: Well, I mean, we're going to dive deeper into the into the movie, but when you say a a, a wholesome film, I do want to say the whole premise is his own mother in the past trying to date his her own son there is a level of weirdness to this that that does go beyond i mean again clouded under the nice little pg shell of not a lot of cursing and not a lot of graphic stuff but i mean it is the premise of like my mom is hitting on me and i know it the creators of this movie
1: robert zemeckis and bob gale actually pitched it over 40 times four zero forty 40 times and we're Ultimately rejected all of those times, mostly because of that. Because they were like, "Wait, so this is a movie where a guy goes back in time and falls, in lo- and his mom falls in love with him?"
0: And like Disney was like, "Huge pass, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen." Like, I mean, the pitch in and of itself does sound creepy. Like when you say it out loud, like, "Wait a minute, it's weird." What's funny
2: to me is that it it takes the 1984 The Terminator and takes that time loop of going back in time and be, you know sending your own father to come back to conceive you, uh, taking that time loop and basically kind of using it but making an Oedipus complex to it. Very weird.
1: Bob Gale said that um, he got the idea for this around 1979, 1980, he was cleaning out some boxes in his parents' house, and he found his dad's high school yearbook. And he thought, if I were in high school with my dad, would I be friends with him? Like, would we be friends? And then he said that idea to Robert Zemeckis, and they were both like, well, maybe we do, like, a time, you know, a time travel story and put that to the test. So I know the whole thing with him and his mom kind of, you know, always takes a lot of the focus, but honestly the the core of the idea was actually about him and his dad
0: and which of course we all know now like his dad was a peeping tom you know kind of dork that nobody really liked you know and of course michael j fox is just so dang cool as marty mcfly so let's just let's just start there so like yeah the dynamic of like oh my god this was my father like how did he produce this right right while your while your own mother's falling in love with you (laughs)
1: right right and I, I do want to take uh, a moment here to recognize that uh, Michael J. Fox actually was not the first Marty McFly. Uh, they There were a lot of people that were on the list for Marty McFly um, to be cast as Marty McFly. Johnny Depp, Charlie Sheen, Fisher Stevens, Jason Gedrick, Chris Rydell, John Cusack, and Doug McKeon, just to name a few, were people that auditioned for the part. Ultimately, it went to Eric Stoltz, and they actually—I'm—you guys are nodding your head, so I'm assuming you guys already know this. But like, absolutely, this is like, this we, is like we the do, worst kept secret. But yes, yeah. it's like the worst kept secret. Where like, so they filmed the first three weeks with yeah. Eric Stoltz, and he just wasn't working out. So Robert Zemeckis said to switch him out with Michael J. Fox. Was it? Was it just?
2: Was it just too? It was as I understand it. He played it too heavy. Like it was just well to use a a line a word from the movie heavy man. What's like, with all this heavy stuff? So heavy. What's
0: with the future? You know, Everything's heavy. He's
2: and he's an excellent actor, but not as nearly as much of it. Just that natural boyish charm and and like that that just soft going easy going kind of disarming charm and cute smile and just the way Michael J. Fox can kind of play comedy without being goofy whereas eric stoltz
0: good actor but it i i wouldn't even want to see this movie with him. <laughs> but darren i think you said you have an answer for that the way he was playing it what was wrong oh yeah 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 yes so, so i mean you're exactly right adam he was playing it very straight
1: and like and just it wasn't like the the levity and comedy of the scenes just wasn't happening like he and doc brown just weren't jiving it wasn't like it wasn't entertaining and it wasn't funny and it needed to be it needed to have that that um that aspect to it and i mean changing out your main character actor in the middle of a you know multi-million dollar production is a huge deal and could get you fired um but he was just like look if we're gonna make this
0: movie we've got to do it right uh we got to we got to swap them so out. So
2: good. So glad he did.
0: So glad he did, but can you imagine being that actor? I've always said like imagine being the actor going around telling all your friends, I'm going to be Marty McFly in this massive blockbuster and then get and then you're mm-hmm. normally once the first check shows up, you know you're pretty good. Not in this case. Fired mm-hmm. 3 weeks in. They're going to reshoot the entire movie and you've just gone around to everyone, "Yep. I'm Marty McFly.
1: Well, and, and also, like, they actually, uh, since they had already shot a bunch of the stuff, they only had to reshoot Marty's stuff. Mm-hmm. So they actually like went back to the scenes and j- and only shot Mar- the Marty shots. So like, there are some scenes in there that you're that you're seeing over Marty's shoulder, and it's and it might be Eric Stoltz's actual shoulder.
0: Wow! Didn't you say that Eric was actually like? Almost relieved when he got replaced. We were talking about this a while back. Yeah, the,
1: I mean, the way Robert Zemeckis describes it is that, um, and maybe this is just him assuaging his own guilt, but he said, you know, that he could tell from Eric's obviously he told Eric face to face and he could see in Eric's eyes a little bit of relief just because I think he thought that Eric knew it wasn't quite working. And Eric was a little relieved that like, you know, oh, great, this this uh, playing this role in this movie that m- may or may not bomb won't be my fault now.
2: Much better to be replaced is embarrassing and humiliating, as Chad pointed out, and, and, and it, then, then to be the star of a massive bomb when you're that young, because he probably never would have been able to come back from it. And, and of course, he was never as big as Michael J. Fox, but he went on to have a, a, a good, solid career.
0: Yeah, I mean n- nobody can look back and say he didn't have a good career. He had a good career. D- do you? So Darren has a a a coffee table book like a, one of those high end coffee table books about Back to the Future, and and I I, I cannot wait to get back to L A. One to see you, but then two to read that amazing book. Yeah, what is it? Who wrote it? What's uh, it called? It's written by Michael Clasterin with Randall
1: Adamaniuk. Um, I mean, it honestly, it looks like just kind of like a BS coffee table book to look at it, but it's got so much amazing stuff and so many amazing pictures and, uh, great stories. It's really in depth. Um, Oh, there's a picture of Eric Stoltz right there. <laughs> look at that.
2: This is as close to a perfect movie as I think exists. I, I think on all fronts it's it's damn near the absolutely perfectly made movie it's got action it's got adventure it's got comedy it's got groundbreaking effects the, the musical score I can't wait to talk about the score I mean everything about it is just the script everything is just ace I can't really think of a better done movie overall
1: yeah uh, when Jonathan Nolan Christopher Nolan's brother who's a script writer on his his own uh, has written a bunch of Christopher Nolan's movies uh, was asked what's the perfect screenplay he said back to the future now I think it is actually of super interest uh, in that what the movie you see the movie as it exists and the screenplay that I'm sure they made from the movie was not the screenplay they started shooting when they started production there was one, well, one major difference between the actual movie and the script they started shooting was the ending. Yes. The ending was supposed to be Marty McFly driving the DeLorean into the Nevada desert into a nuclear blast, because that was the only way they were gonna get 1.21 gigawatts. Uh, <laughs> they realized that that was going to be a very expensive thing to shoot, mm-hmm. and so, They already had the Hill Valley, you know, town center set up in a back lot at Universal Studios. So one of the, it was either Bob Gale or Robert Zemeckis, I forget, while they were shooting the movie said, you know what? We could shoot the end right here. It'll be super cheap because we're already on the lot. And we just have a bolt of lightning hit the clock tower and, and blah, blah, blah. And that's how the whole bolt of lightning thing came into it. And so they scrapped the whole nuclear explosion thing for the lightning, and it was, honestly it was it was a good story choice, mm-hmm. but they made the story choice because of uh the budget basically that's crazy they they probably would have kept the real ending
2: man if they the had the clock money. tower the clock tower, the lightning just all that that whole thing is just so iconic and just what you think of when you think of back to the future i can't even imagine it in nevada and
0: and not even not even just that from the minute the film opens almost save the clock tower i mean every the clock is in there the whole way through it's it's a major plot point through the whole film to imagine that being gone or that that it's a blast is whoa it's mind-blowing well i mean it
1: just goes to show you that like you know filmmakers don't have all the answers they're not geniuses they make decisions you know based on things other than creativity but like now we all know this movie and we all think that wow that's such a great through line and blah 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 and you like you said chad it's there from the beginning to the end and and all that it's a great tie-in uh but but yeah that was on day one of production that was not the plan (laughs) you know
2: It'd be interesting to see, like, the alternate universe version of this with Eric Stoltz and that ending. Because with him playing it darker, I could see that ending kind of making sense in, like, a, a dark version of Back to the Future. It wouldn't be the perfect movie like this one is. That's for damn sure.
1: Also, like, the question that the audience would be asking themselves is, is Marty McFly even going to survive this? Sure. Either he, either he gets back to 1985
0: or he dies. Like, a horrible death. <laughs> <laughs> and then you don't have part two and three if that happens if he dies yeah no. it's, it's a one and done
2: so was spielberg just kind of the, the guy in this was spiel was Spielberg? i mean was he a, a real you know hands-on person at this point with this film yeah this one is really doing his own stuff and this was his vision and all that
1: yeah spielberg had uh jaws uh close encounters of the third kind and et on his resume at this time. And he was kind of a mentor for Robert Zemeckis. So when Zemeckis brought him this idea, Spielberg was on board from day one and was just like, yeah, let's find a home for this. Uh, And they pitched it around for years and no one wanted to make it. Uh, It wasn't until 1984 that Robert Zemeckis directed Romancing the Stone. And that was a huge hit. So all of a sudden Robert Zemeckis is kind of like the it boy and he can, you know, he can direct a successful movie. Now the studios are like, Hmm, you have this time travel movie you want to make? Okay. Maybe we'll try making that. That's crazy. Another, uh, another thing about the, like the screenplay and how like quote unquote perfect it is. Uh, the original version also had the, you know, so the flux capacitor and all that stuff, the like secret ingredient, the thing that really made it go was going to be Coca-Cola. And it was going to be because <laughs> they would, they would discover it because Marty would like spill Coca-Cola onto it. And that's what would make it go. They scrapped that in favor of like, you know, Plutonium, plutonium. or whatever.
2: Again, that alternate universe version is just funny to think about yeah. with Eric Stoltz and Coke and nuclear explosions and all that.
1: Yeah. I'd see that movie. <laughs> I would see it. Yeah. Well, the question exists. Sorry. Right, so obviously the three of us really love this movie. Have any of us ever met someone that uh, either hated the movie or just was like, you know,
0: kind of ho hum about it.
2: Never, never. I mean, everybody I know loves it.
0: Well, I mean, officially my answer is going to be no, everybody's always loved it. My wife, I could make the argument that she's ho hum about it because she would say that's a boy movie. So like, I don't think she ever saw it all the way through. For for anybody
2: listening since this is a podcast you should have just seen the looks on Darren and my faces <laughs> when when he said that about the boy movie cuz it's it's not a boy movie. It's got the romance stuff to it. I mean there's women are prominent characters. They're not just objects. They have agency and I I th- I think it's a f- it's a movie for everyone. It's a no, family I totally for the agree. Mo- young, it's a, it's old and- a
0: totally a family film.
2: So so I wanted to go back real quick, and Darren, I wanted to get your 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 history with the movie, just personal history for a second, because the, you just that conversation just sort of reminded me. You know, Chad talked about how it's not necessarily wholesome when you really think about it, and and you know, people liking it or not liking it. As a kid. Of course I loved it. I mean, it had time travel, it had comedy, it had all this, you know, riding on the back of a, you know, skateboarding by holding onto the back of somebody's truck, all this really cool stuff. And you appreciate it on that level. A boy, as a boy in the 80s. But it wasn't until after even law school, and I watched it in my late 20s, that I realized how brilliant of a film it is. So getting to watch it over time and yourself changing your perspective on it, I mean, First of all, the first time I ever watched it was in Chad's van. His van had a, a, had a TV. I know that sounded creepy. You should have just seen their look. The yes, van maroon van? van? Yeah, we
0: had that huge <laughs> maroon van that came with a pillow. It was like the biggest van you could get. <laughs>
2: yes. And you had a VCR. We could have watched it inside, but for whatever reason, maybe it was occupied. We, we watched it out there. and And... And I was just blown away. By, and we weren't by moving? By you do realize
0: this was the old school, like nine inch tube TV. I mean, it was nine inches big. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Smaller than the screen I'm looking at you with, with right now. So I,
1: I guess I'm aging myself a little bit here. So, am I to understand that neither of you actually saw it in the movie theater? Did not see it in
0: theater? Oh, hell no. I saw it in the back of Chan's van. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was five. I First time I saw it was on TV. So, I saw the movie first. Did Chad get handsy that night? No comment. We
2: were sitting in, se- in in separate seats. I will comment. We were in separate seats. <laughs> oh, right. But yes, he did get handsy. Well,
1: I did get handsy. You know what? That's not cool. <laughs> well, what about the sequels? Did you see the sequels
2: in the theater? Did see that in the theaters. Yes. Yes. And the third one sucks. Come on. We got to be honest. The third one sucks.
0: It's not I as mean, good.
2: Is there anything redeeming about it? Just before we get into your experience, I want to hear your, your your childhood stories with it and everything. But I got to go right there because is there anything redeeming at all? about Back to the Future 3.
1: Well, all right. Well, here is my take on the sequels. I mean, movie sequels are always just a money grab. Like they're just basically rehashing the original. And in this case, both the sequels are rehashing the original story. They just do it in the future and in the past. So having said that, this the sequels are fun. Uh, but I don't think they have any real artistic merit or movie making merit to them.
0: Except for Back to the Future 2.
2: Two had some really cool stuff in it, memorable cool stuff. I mean it's he went better to the than the future. Three, yeah. A hell of a lot. Come better on, than he went three. to the
0: future. That was freaking dope. Darren,
2: I wouldn't answer. I am pinning you down. Give me something redeeming from the third one. It's not Doc Brown's love story, I'll tell you that much. No. We didn't need to see that at all. Yeah, we
0: did. Um, we needed to see him evolve. Because he realized there was more to, to life than no, no, just no, 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 science. No, 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 no. We got not. the uh, all right. So the one redeeming quality I can
1: think of, in the third one is, we got to hear Michael J. Fox do an Irish accent. <laughs> okay, yeah,
2: there we go. As his uncle or whatever, as his, yeah. is his great great uncle or yeah. something like that? Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> <it's>, you know, <laughs> McFly. Obviously, that's an Irish name, so of course he yeah, came was- from Irish immigrants.
2: That was good. I, I liked ZZ Top as the band because remember ZZ Top did a song for that uh, movie soundtrack, and they were they were playing the band with their beards and everything like that. Yeah, that which goes funny. to
1: show how stupid that f- movie is. Like little things like that. Is, <laughs> little things like that. It's just like why why is this in there? This is like this is like a wink to the audience, and there's like winks to the audience all over the place. Like he says, "My name is Clint Eastwood," and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Like there's all kinds of winks, and it just. Having one or two of those in the movie is fine. If yeah. you're getting one of those every two minutes, it's like, guys, did we did we run out of ideas like for the story for this movie?
2: What about the second one? I mean, is that okay in your opinion?
1: The second one I think has some merit because as a in the time travel genre, if you will, I like the alternative universe. Where, where Biff is a billionaire and he owns the casino mm-hmm. yes. and he's married and he's dating his mom and he's and clearly he's got to like fix this screwed up timeline that he's helped to create. Um,
0: I think that is cool. See, that's what I liked about number two is that it took the old premise and it gives you a piece of that, but it, it, it it's completely screwed up now. You get the future, you get the past, you get alternate timelines. So two... Is way more different than one. Three just puts you in the past, and it's f- stupid. But two, you hit the future. You got Jaws thirty four and the three D. You know. Oh yeah, I love the eighties. The eighties nostalgia
2: cafe. The way when they go yeah. to the eighties nostalgia cafe, that was hilarious. The Cubs winning the World
0: Series. It's called a dust jacket. But do you no. remember that?
2: I mean, no. you mentioned you mentioned how how sequels are like a a it, it just a cash grab of of the most one, and 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 they just churn it out. Well, this the, the sequel was so churned out. You guys remember the end of Back to the Future? There was the scene, opening scene from Back to the Future Two already with the hover. You know, Doc Brown picks him up, and the, that's actually the not true. Flying one
0: that was how they that was how they really ended that movie, right? And then. Then it did well, and they got greenlit for two and three back to back. So they shot two and three back to back, but they didn't know they were going in oh. to the second one. The two be continued, I thought, was arbitrary. It was just sort of like, where are they going? They had now? the hovering flying woman, well, like- right?
1: Basically, They're they were hoping. like, "Well, we we hope we get a sequel." I mean, if you
2: would have if you would have just said that, Chad, I wouldn't have believed it. But I do trust Darren on that, so he's got
1: the book. You
0: know, you never trust me, man. I swear to God. You know, it's funny because uh, I was just talking to a
1: friend of mine yesterday about this, who is roughly ten years uh, younger than me, and and I mentioned that I was doing this podcast. We were talking about Back to the Future, and he and he mentioned the sequels, and I was like. Well, you know, we both know that the sequels are bullshit And he was like, I actually love the sequels. And I was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you have to understand. I saw them, I saw all, by the time I was cognizant and watching these movies, they were all, three of them were already out. So it wasn't like they, were, it wasn't like I saw the first one and loved it and had to wait a couple of years to see the second one. And, you know, and, and, it, and the first one was endeared to me by like waiting for the sequel." Uh, he was like, they were already out. So I just like watched all three of them at the same time. So in his brain, all three of them are kind of the same, you know, big
0: movie. It's one big movie. Was, yeah, it's yeah. one big movie is is what it is. And from that perspective, that's kind of cool. Because you really can watch all three. Last time I saw all three was I was sitting like on the chair in front of you. I watched all three at your house, like two year your apartment, like two years ago. In front of him? He has a chair in front of you. You can't see what he's, you know sitting. But anyway, yeah, see, I sat in that chair. You talked about us in the van, so I was <laughs> yeah, just true.
2: wondering about this.
0: No, <laughs> no, no. Thanks for turning the camera. Is he giving up. you a back rub or what? No. <laughs> anyway, he was asleep. He was asleep. I was sipping on a scotch, and I I happened to get into all three movies. I watched all three in in two nights. And so I get that I get that thought process cuz I personally really liked the second one. I I I'm not, I was not as big of a fan of the third. Ugh. I really liked the second one because it took what the first one did so amazingly and perfect and then developed the story even bigger around that past event. I personally liked that. I was also like nine when it came out. So I probably would have liked anything.